in thinking on that last song, what a foretaste of deliverance. And knowing that this worship gathering would fall on the first day of the year, I wanted to pursue some thoughts regarding new beginnings, new beginnings, just as that resurrection introduced us, gave us a taste of greater things to come, uh, I want us to look back over the scriptures and see how God has always been a God who delights in giving us new beginnings. So here we are, January 1, officially in the year of our Lord, 2023, a new beginning. Now admittedly, the phrase new beginning may seem a bit redundant. Beginnings are new, so new beginning seems to be redundant, and yet it, it kind of works for us, doesn't it? We're used to the phrase starting over, and, and we kind of know what that means. We had a beginning, and it didn't go so well, and we, and we want another beginning. On the playground, a child who doesn't do well on his first try might call out, do over. Well, that's kind of what we're thinking on this morning. A fresh start, a a do over, a new beginning. So call it redundant, but find it hopeful this morning as we study new beginnings. First, I want to make it clear that new beginnings are God's idea. New beginnings are God's idea. To establish this, I want us to overview Scripture, highlighting some of the new beginnings. Now, we can't hit them all, and I haven't even thought of them all. So, your ride home or your conversation this afternoon may may include sharing some of the new beginnings that you think of in Scripture that we didn't cover this morning. You've got a lot of things you can study this week. You can study other new beginnings we don't mention. You can study Psalm 98. The Lord is coming to judge the world in righteousness. You can study Psalm 1 and your resolve to walk in the way of the godly. You can study Psalm 24. Who is this King of glory, as we sang? New beginnings are God's idea. I didn't include all these on your notes, so you can jot down anything you find helpful in this overview. But there are many new beginnings. And before we get to new beginnings, we should probably highlight the beginning. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. A beginning for God's glory. So any new beginning that we're going to to look at is in keeping with the glory of God. The story of God revealing His glory is the story of the Bible. The Bible isn't ultimately about even the salvation of sinners. That's not the great story of the Bible. That's how the story unfolds, but the story is the glory of God. That's why he created a world, to make his glory known. 
So we start there. In the beginning, God created. So the beginning was for God's glory. Any new beginning that we can find hope in will also be in keeping with the glory of God. If we're not careful, we see new beginnings as all about us, and I like my fresh start and a clean slate, and well, that's great, but just know the fresh starts and the clean slates and the visions for the coming year are all supposed to be under the umbrella of the first beginning and the glory of God. We find a new beginning of sorts in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 8, it's the beginning of sin and it's ruin. When Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Genesis 4 will reveal Cain killing Abel, and we realize this was a new beginning. Not, not without hope, the seed of the woman would come to crush the serpent's head, but a new beginning with an understanding of sin and its ruin. Things would get worse and worse until every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually, Genesis 6 tells us. And God judges the world in a flood, but it says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There was grace in the midst of judgment that offered salvation to those who would hide themselves in the ark of safety. And in Genesis 8, we read in verse 14, in the second month on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. And God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. A new beginning. With the labor of the narrative to tell us what month and the exact day of the month, it's as if we can zoom in on that ancient calendar and see a new beginning. After all those months in the ark, after all those decades of preparation for the ark, when everything was such a mess, ruined by sin, here was a new beginning, a new pursuit of righteousness. A new beginning by the mercy of the saving ark. Well, we can fast forward in history to Exodus chapter 24. It's on the heels of the Exodus. The Israelites have been freed from their bondage in Egypt. They've been led into the promised land to Mount Sinai. And there they find a new beginning and a fresh belonging to God. Because in Exodus 19, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. You will belong to me and I will make a covenant with you. And he begins to unfold the details of that covenant in Exodus 20. We call it the Ten Commandments. 
And as you read through the Ten Commandments and the commandments in the next couple chapters, we then come to chapter 24 where the covenant is ratified. And God says, this is what I will do. And all the people answer God in one voice saying, we will obey. And the sacrifices are made and the blood is sprinkled on the congregation of the people. Sealing the covenant. God is theirs and they are God's. This is a new beginning. Every one of those people that stood there at that fresh start could look back to the, to the dark days in Egypt of their slavery. They could remember the generations who for hundreds of years had died as slaves in Egypt. And now, unfettered by Egypt's chains, unbounded by Pharaoh's will, they were free to pursue God's will and were headed for the promised land. It was a new beginning, not just in direction, but a new beginning in belonging to God. Joshua chapter 1. Moses is dead, and Joshua leads the people into the promised land. And four times in that chapter, we hear the admonition to be of good courage, to be strong. Why? Because this is a new beginning, Joshua. What, if, what an amazing way to start a challenge to Joshua. The Lord comes to him and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. He had gone up into the mountain like he had done times before. But this time he wasn't coming back. And God tells Joshua, Moses is dead. And there's sorrow there. But the message to Joshua is, this is a new day. This is a new beginning. We can look back and see the successes and failures of Moses. But today is a new beginning. Be strong and of a good courage. Don't depart from the words that I've spoken to you. Don't yield to the rebels when they rise up against you. Be strong and of a good courage for a new beginning, for believing God's promises. And so they enter the promised land. They cross over the River Jordan. They build the altar of remembrance to God's faithfulness. And off they go. A new beginning. Well, hundreds of years to come are marked by numerous kings. Every inauguration of another king, a new beginning, a new hope that this king would be that king of righteousness that was promised. Another opportunity for getting it right. And as you read through Kings and Chronicles, you hear again and again that this king did right in the sight of the Lord, maybe for a time, but didn't get rid of all the idols in the land or didn't tear down all the groves. And it was a new beginning and it offered a little bit of hope only to end in disappointment. During the years of the kings, the prophet Isaiah would long for a greater beginning to come. Isaiah longed for newness, for restoration. And he says in Isaiah 42, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, 
I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. Thus says God the Lord, who stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I will not give to another, or my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Isaiah longed in his day of ups and downs with successes and failures of kings. He longed for the rule of perfect righteousness. He longed for justice. He longed for covenant faithfulness from the people of God. He longed for this to be true. New things. A new beginning. In the very next chapter, Isaiah 43, he would give us again the word of the Lord. I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth I am He. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? He goes on to say, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Behold, God says, look, be watching for that wondrous mystery we sang of. God wanted his people to know in their seasons of new beginnings that there was a new beginning to come. God's people may have thought that new beginning happened in Ezra and Nehemiah's day when the Israelites returned to their land from the Babylonian captivity. Home at last. A new beginning in the, in the land God had promised them. Oh, it had slipped through their fingers because of their sin and idolatry. Seventy years in Babylonian captivity. Now they return. They're home. A fresh start. And they lay a foundation for the temple. And the younger generation is excited about this new beginning. They see a foundation and they think, this will be This will be great. We've never had a temple of our own. They grew up in Babylon. 
But there were a few of the old men who remembered Solomon's temple before it was ruined when they were taken captive in Babylon. And so while some are celebrating and shooting off their fireworks like a New Year's celebration because the foundation was laid, there were some who stood and wept because they remembered the glory days. And that moment of new beginning was clouded by what used to be and what could have been. The scar of sin threw a wet blanket on the celebration of the new beginning. The prophets Habakkuk and Malachi gave their word from the Lord to that people who had returned from exile. And when they stopped their prophecy, it was as if the voice of God went silent. And 400 years go by with no word from God. And generation after generation would would pass on the stories of the kings and the message of the prophets and they would sing the songs of the Psalms. They would hear Isaiah's words from the scrolls of a new beginning that would spring forth like a branch that would sprout from a dried up stump would come that branch of Jehovah. But as those years went by, we, we can only imagine how, how the, the flame of faith began to, to dim and burn low. 400 years of God's silence toward his people is then broken in Luke chapter 1. On that day when Zechariah, by the random roll of the dice, was chosen to go in to enter incense on the altar... And there encounters Gabriel the angel who announces not only the unique blessing of a son to Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age, but even more importantly, that that son would be the forerunner to the Messiah. He would be the one to prepare the way of the Lord. He would be that that voice of Elijah hearkened the people of Israel back to a day of repentance. And soon would come the Messiah to his temple. Luke 1 was a day of new beginning, and Zechariah couldn't even tell anyone about it. But he knew the day had come. He knew we were no longer counting the days of darkness The 400 years of silence was over and Zechariah wanted to tell everyone, today is a new day. It's a new beginning. The plan is unfolding starting now. We can begin counting days. Luke 2, Jesus is born. It's a new beginning. Fulfilling Isaiah chapter 9. That those who walked in darkness are now living in the dawning of a new day. The light has shone on them. The light of life, John calls it, has dawned. A new beginning. No wonder the angels sang, this is 
good news of great joy. It's a new beginning. The old is passing away. The new has come. In John 1, in verse 29, we read of 30 years later, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, a new beginning. You could picture it in your mind's eye because Jesus just came over a a little knoll there by the Jordan River where John was baptizing. And John didn't say, look, a new beginning. He said, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today is a new day, John said. And in that moment, John knew he was done. His ministry was complete. And in baptizing Jesus, he begins to step away from that one he baptized and say, he must increase, I must decrease. And in stepping back, those next steps backward were into a prison and into martyrdom as he's beheaded and his time well spent was done. Because his whole life existence was to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. It was a day of new beginning as Jesus walked over the hill that day. Hope had arrived. Christmas, though we think of Jesus in the manger, came walking over the hill. And everyone who saw him could say, today is a new day. Just like Simeon had done in the temple. I've seen God's Messiah. It's a new day. I can die in peace. If I experience nothing more than the grace of God and salvation through the Lamb, I'm good. Then in John 21, we zoom in on a more individual account of a new beginning. Peter in John 21 in verse 3 is quoted as saying, I'm going fishing. Not as, I need to burn off a few hours here, I'm going to go fishing, but as the disciple who had betrayed Jesus three times after boasting most arrogantly that though all the other disciples would fail Jesus, he never would. He would go to the death. But when he started seeing how Jesus was treated and where that was leading, and he was being accused of being a follower of Jesus, death looked pretty formidable. And he decides the easier route would be to betray that he knows anything of Jesus. And he does it three times in a row. And one of the narratives tells us after that third time, Jesus even catches his eye from a distance. And Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. Peter's wrecked. In the language of Luke, he's being sifted like wheat by Satan himself. He's a failure. He's a a miserable Christian. And in John 21, his... His announcement that he's going fishing is is pushing the the limits of, of what we would call 
discouragement. We would be questioning whether if he's on the brink of apostasy, abandoning all hope and faith. I'm going fishing. I'm done. I failed too miserably. I'll never be useful to the kingdom. And he headed north to Galilee, back to the lake that he knew so well. He gets on the old fishing boats that he'd grown up on, and he goes fishing. But he hears a voice from the shore, and he recognizes it's the Lord. Throws himself into the water, swims to shore, and finds a new beginning. Friends, the life of Peter may sum up your year of 2022 with a lot of pretty disgusting failures. The way we treated our wives, while it looks different than calling out curses and rejecting the name of Christ, was defaming the name of Christ, who we represent in loving our wives like he loved us. The stuff we looked at in movies, on screens, should make us wonder, what's going on? What kind of a Christian am I who would do this? The way we treated parents, the so few times we spoke out for Christ to the lost, how we were so easily bothered by any call to sacrifice, to love neighbor, church member, stranger. All these failures that fill up our year could easily lead us to think, what's the use of even thinking about doing better in 2023? What's the use in getting help? What's the use of any accountability? What's the use of telling a brother or sister in Christ, will you pray for me in this coming year? I want to do this better. What's the use of resolutions? Well, when we come to John 21 and see the life of Peter, we realize resolutions begin not with a to-do list, but with an encounter with the risen Christ. Because when we truly see him, we will see him not as the judge ready to deal us another blow of rebuke, but as one who stands ready to forgive. So Peter is encountered on that seashore and he's met with breakfast and then he's pulled aside because Jesus says, yes, you are welcome here, but we have a little bit of business to discuss. Peter, I want you to feed my church. What? What about James and John? What about anybody else? But Peter, he's the know-it-all that failed miserably. And now you're asking him to step up and put a buffet of truth before your people? Three times, Peter is told, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. 
It was a new beginning. And Peter would embrace it. In Acts 2 and verse 41, as Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he entered or he ushered in a new beginning for the people of God in the Spirit of God. Clearly, whether in the grand timeline of human events or in the details of individual lives, new beginnings are God's idea. Last week, we studied Jesus is the joy. This week, new beginnings are God's idea. Like last week, the notes you have there are are really just now applications, meditations on this idea of God's plan for new beginnings. So let's make this more personal for us. We've kind of studied God's work through Old and New Testaments, and now we need to think, what, what does this mean for us? To know the grace of new beginnings. God graciously offers us the continual hope of new beginnings. Let me suggest six applications. Number one, new beginnings reflect the power and goodness of creation. Genesis 1 begins with, in the beginning God created, and it ends with, it was very good. New beginnings are possible because God is all-powerful and God is good. Any new beginning you experience day by day, week by week, here we are, day one of a new year, new beginnings because you're a new creature in Christ, any new beginning is only possible because God is all-powerful and God is good. So what beginning What new beginning are you longing for as this new year begins? What fresh start do you crave? Maybe you're thinking, you know, our marriage just needs to just move forward and do a little better. My my attitude towards mom and dad needs to be a little better. My, My witness needs to be more clear. Whatever it is. Are you longing for a relationship to be restored? For a sinner to come to faith in Christ? Are you longing to be more consistent in your Christian discipline? What mess up makes you want to call out, do over in 2023? Take heart. God brings beauty out of ashes. He's a God who graciously offers to us new beginnings because he is a God of power and goodness. So ours is the hope of new beginnings in this year. A fresh start, a clean slate, because God is good and he's powerful. Number two, New beginnings in this life are not without groaning. We are not naively optimistic that in 2023, with new beginnings and a fresh start, everything will be great. No, that's not what we're saying. We will have many new beginnings in this year. 
But until heaven, all of our fresh starts will be tainted by imperfection. All our joys will be partially clouded by sorrow. In a sin-cursed world, we can't have the perfect enjoyment of new beginnings. Oh, they're good and they're sweet. But some of you still gather at holidays and wonder what it would have been like to have that child that died in infancy. What it would be like if that wayward son or daughter came home to Christ and to you. What it would be like if that divorce wasn't in your past. What it would be like if you hadn't had that abortion. What it would be like if, and we fill in the blank. Oh, listen, all of those things can remind us that God is gracious and merciful to us. But they hang over us. They hang over us, and and we do know tears and pain and sorrow and death that will one day all be put away. So the new beginnings we have now are not perfect. They're tainted by what Romans 8 calls groaning. Think of it. Adam and Eve woke up on that first day outside the Garden of Eden. And they woke up with God himself having promised them that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head, would wage war against that agenda of the devil and would win. And yet they woke up feeling the weight of sin's curse. For the first time, work was going to be painfully hard. There was going to be conflict. And while they waited for the promised son of righteousness, their own son in wickedness would murder his brother. Romans 8 says, we with all creation groan in this life as we await the fullness of redemption's restoration. We gather every first day of the week, a new beginning, a reminder of resurrection newness. But every week as we gather in faith and worship, we are not without groaning and lament. On any given week, Some come rejoicing. Others come sorrowing. Today, the Estes and Renander families know well the hope of heaven, new beginnings, the promise of Christ, everlasting life. But it's not without feeling acutely the sting of death. They'll stand at a graveside. And... While it's not wrong for people to say to them, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, they receive that with a a certain balance that some of us don't feel. They're sorrowing, yet rejoicing. That's what makes up this life, even in our seasons of new beginning. Number three, New beginnings are possible because of God's promises. This is good news. New beginnings are not based solely on our commitment to faithfulness. I'll be more faithful. I'll stop my fretting and doubting. 
I'll stop looking at pornography. I'll be more diligent in reading my Bible. I'll be more, I'll be, I'll be. Those are all good resolves. That would reflect a wisdom of Psalm 1. Choosing to walk in the way of the righteous by God's grace. Those are good resolves. But to be clear, new beginnings are not based solely on our commitment to faithfulness. Rather, new beginnings are based on God's character of faithfulness. We are faithful in this life, in righteousness. We are faithful to the end in our faith because God is faithful. We must look beyond ourselves for the possibility of a fresh start. We must make God's covenant promises to us the foundation of new beginnings. That's why it's important to look back at Genesis 8, the flood, the covenant God makes with Noah at that new beginning. That's why it's important to read of Sinai, a covenant made, a new beginning. It's why it's important to look to the Gospel of Luke, and see the new covenant Jesus makes at the Last Supper, a new beginning based on covenant promises. That's why it's important to link Isaiah's prophecy that God gave his word to bring newness, and then he kept his word, offering new life in Christ. You will only have a new beginning because of God. Because he is faithful to save, to sanctify, to keep us. In his spirit, we can know peace and joy in these temporal new beginnings. Some people are down on New Year's and resolutions. It's just another day, they would tell us. I would argue from Scripture that God graciously offers us the hope of new beginnings in all of the new beginnings of life. Number four, new beginnings unfold the gospel of a new creation. Ezekiel 36, God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the old heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That new covenant promise is echoed in Jeremiah 31. It's quoted three or four times in the book of Hebrews, which makes it clear to us God is doing something new. In Luke 22, Jesus introduces a new beginning by inaugurating the new covenant. And it's a new covenant ratified with his shed blood. So that from that new beginning, life is now found in Christ for all who would believe. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he has a new beginning. A new creation, Paul says. The old passes away because the new has come. My friends, your longing for a fresh start must begin with faith in Jesus 
as the Savior of sinners and the Lord of all. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. As you step into a new year, the fresh beginning, the new start, the clean slate, the optimism and hope is only truly yours if you are a believer in Jesus. If you've turned from sin and self to faith in Christ. May every new beginning point us to the gospel of new life in Christ. Number five, new beginnings sustain our daily endurance. Here we are at another first day of the week. 52 first days of the week every year. 2,000 years now since the resurrection, that's a lot of new beginnings. That's a lot of reminders that sin and death have been defeated. It's a new day, always in Christ. That's why every time we sing these songs that tell a story, who is he in yonder stall, and, and then he's teaching ministering to those in need, and then he's praying in Gethsemane, then he's on the cross, and then we sing of the grave being conquered. Come behold the wondrous mystery of an infant, of a teacher, of a crucified Savior, and we sing of the resurrection, and we hear it in the music, and we feel it in our souls. We sing. From up here, I see people weep, I see hands raised. I see worship at the thought of a new beginning in the power of that resurrection moment. That's why every Sunday is a new beginning. We don't do a prayer of confession just because some church hundreds of years ago thought that would be a good thing to throw into a service. It's because we come with our slate that has been chalked full of our sin our anger, our lust, our bitterness, our ungratefulness. And we come believing that he is faithful and just to look at the work of Christ and to forgive us of all of our sin. And our slate is wiped clean again on this first day of the week as we confess our sin and proclaim the resurrection really works. It's a new beginning that sustains our daily endurance. Ephesians 1 says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that is at work in us. 1 John, daily forgiveness is ours. Hourly forgiveness, if needed, ours. And as we launch into a new year, that will inevitably record numerous failures on our part. We must cling to Lamentations 3, 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my soul says. Therefore, I will hope in him. 
This is your hope of daily endurance, a new beginning every day rooted in God's mercy. Finally, I would say that new beginnings shape our future hope. Our future hope. Though every new beginning in this life is marred by groaning, there is a coming, final, new beginning that will silence groaning forever. We will receive new bodies on the day of resurrection. Bodies untainted by sin and ready for what Revelation 21.1 reveals. A new heaven and a new earth. No more night. No more pain. No more tears. Never crying again. Only praises to the Savior. Revelation 21.5 gives us God's promise that new beginnings indeed shape our future hope. For in Revelation 21, God says, Behold, I am making all things new. Oh, friends, know that new beginnings are God's idea. And whether or not you're the sort that loves to make resolutions and set goals or not, know this, that God graciously offers us the continual hope of new beginnings. So receive the gift of a fresh start in this day, January 1st, 2023. It's a reminder of new beginnings. The new beginning offered to us in the gospel, salvation by faith in Christ. The new beginning of forgiveness and restoration. A new beginning of mercy for every day. And a new beginning to come that will never end. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithful promises to us. Kept, all of them, by Jesus Christ. The yes and amen of all your words to us. May we run the race that is set before us in the days of this coming year that you would give to us all the while looking unto Jesus who has authored and finished, perfected this faith of ours. It is his success that makes our success possible, his faithful running that makes our faithful running possible, his endurance to the end that makes our endurance to the end possible. And so receive the praise of your people on this day of new beginnings for the new beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Receive our lives 
That's the worship of living sacrifices. And may all that we say and do and think be acceptable to you. And may Christ, our Savior, be glorified. Hear our prayer in his precious name. Amen.